chapter 7, uh, we spent the last three weeks talking about marriage, and if you remember three weeks ago, uh, we discussed what biblical marriage is as a whole, and we talked about the fact that biblical marriage is between a biological man and a biological woman. Uh, biblical marriage is a holy covenant. It's not a contract that we sign and then throw away when we're done with it. No, it's a holy covenant. We're meant to commit to one another for a lifetime. Divorce is not something that we should be pursuing, but it is something that we are called to commit to. And biblical marriage is a picture of the love between Christ and the church. Uh, two weeks ago, we spent our time beating up husbands and talking about the role of a husband. A husband is called to love his wife, to, to give up his life for her, to bathe her with the washing of the word. As husbands, we get to participate in the sanctification of our wives to present them holy to Christ. Now, holiness is not something we can make of our wives, but we can help in the, in the process of conforming to the image of Jesus. And last week, we discussed the role of the wife. And what is the primary role of a wife? It's to respect. It's to submit to her husband as Christ, as the church submits to Christ. Marriage matters, amen? It's important, and every person here should care about marriage. However, it is vital that we acknowledge the fact that marriage is not ultimate. Marriage is not essential. In fact, Paul has some pretty strong thoughts on the idea of remaining single. So this morning, we're going we're gonna to step away from Ephesians for the week just to focus on the topic of the gift of singleness, the gift of singleness. So before we jump in the word, let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you for the time that we've had this morning to remember your incredible goodness and faithfulness. Lord, you are are so good. And Lord, none of us here deserves your goodness. None of us here deserves for you to remain faithful to us. But Lord, your word says that you will never leave us or forsake us. Lord, if we've repented of our sin and placed our faith in Christ, we are secure in you and no one can pluck us out of your hands. God, remind us of that amazing reality. And Lord, this morning I pray as we look into the gift of singleness, Lord, that you would first first of all just be with the singles in this room. Lord, the temptation is to believe that something is missing, that we are incomplete. And Lord, your word has something drastically different to say in regards to that. Lord, that you would remind the singles in this room that they are complete in Christ. They have everything they need in you. And so, Lord, encourage them this morning to use this gift for your glory for however long you have them remaining single. And, Father, for those who are married, I I pray that you would speak to us as well. God, that you would remind us that every person finds their security not in marriage but in Christ. Lord, that we in our interactions would not look at marriage as ultimate, that we would not look at marriage as something that every person should should reach in order to be full but lord that we are full in jesus alone and god we can be foolish as married people to look down on singles and i pray lord that you would change our hearts in this god that paul's words from your inspired word would speak to us and so god we desperately need your help 
Lord, we're, we, we are desperate for your spirit to take this word and implant it in our hearts and bring change where it needs to be brought. And so, God, we're at your mercy, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we look at 1 Corinthians 7, usually what I like to do is to read the whole passage, but, but there's really a lot here, so we're going to take it piece by piece. We're going to move through and highlight a few of the earlier verses in the chapter, but then we're going to spend the majority of our time at the end. And so, first of all, let me bring your attention to verse 6 in chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians. It says this, Now as a concession, not a command, I say this, I wish that all were as myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. Uh, first of all, we've got to acknowledge what's the context of these verses. What is he saying these ver verses in response to? And we looked at the first five verses last week, but let me just kind of, kind of summarize what those first five verses in this chapter say. And what they say is this, is that the husband's body belongs to the wife, and the wife's body belongs to the husband. And in marriage, you should regularly enjoy intimacy. You should enjoy sex together as married couples. And, and the only reason why you should not participate in that on a regular basis, if you are dedicated to a season of prayer. But that season should be short, and then you should come back together again, so that you won't be tempted. And so... He says that and then responds with verse 6. And, and notice, he's making a concession, not a command. Now, what he means is this. A concession is he's wanting the people to consider. He, it's, it, he's not commanding them to remain single, but, but he wants them to, to think about staying that way. He wants them to take it to heart, what he's saying, and to consider remaining single. Here, Paul points out that he was single and wants everyone else to be like him. That's what he says in verse 7. I wish that all were as myself am, to be single. And even goes on to call it a gift. And, and what he's saying is this. He's saying, like, marriage is a gift, yes, but also singleness is a gift. He makes it very clear here. Now, I, I must make a confession to you that that is not the way that I have always viewed singleness. Throughout the majority of my college life, I didn't date anyone. And I, in fact, I didn't meet Nikki until after I graduated. And at no point in my life did I ever consider being single as a gift. I was deathly afraid that I would end up single for the rest of my life. And yet, Paul here, I wish I would have held to these words. Paul is genuinely looking at singleness as a gift. Now this section of Paul is, is very unique, I find, to his writings. I, I, don't really take, I don't really view Paul as someone who is kind of, um, hey, consider this, think about it. Uh, usually he's like very black and white, like this is what you should do, this is what you should not do. But here he, he, is, give, he is coming, acknowledging the fact that, look, I'm not coming at you with like, thus saith the Lord, this is a command. But yet, I, I know a lot about the world, and I know a lot of truth, and so in light of everything that I know, I want you to consider being single. Yet, uh, this is not a command. Look at verse 8. To the unmarried and to the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But 
If they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So Paul is very clearly saying here, look, it's, I, would, I would rather have you stay single. I think it's very good to be single. But I get it, man. You, you might meet this beautiful woman and you think, I would love to have a physical relationship with her. And so Paul's saying, go for it. Get married. But here we must, we must understand here that physical intimacy, sex, is only to be joined, come together, should only be enjoyed in the context of biblical marriage. This is not something that we play around with. I've seen this, especially in the church recently. It's, it's kind of blown my mind where people are deciding to, they, love, they say they love Jesus, and yet they're, before they get married, they're moving in together. They're trying to see, do I like this person? Can we get along together? Guess what? You can't get along together. I'll just tell you know right now, apart from the grace of God. And so you want to play that. You want to be intimate with one another. I've heard people say this. Like, We've got to know if there's physical attraction. Guess what? Physical attraction, when you come to truly love somebody, that follows. So we don't play around with marriage. Sex is not to be enjoyed outside of the context of marriage. And so Paul is saying here, look, it's, it's okay to be married. It's good. It's good to be married. But, but consider, consider remaining single. Now you might be thinking, if you're married, oh man, I, I sure would like to be single again. And, and Paul is saying here, like, it's good to be single, so I think I'm going to go back to being single. And Paul says, not so fast, my friends. Verse 10, to the married I give this charge, not I but the Lord. So here Paul's changing his tune a little bit. He's not, he's not making a concession now. He's Hey, hey, based on the commands of God, these are words from God. You need to take these to heart. You can't take this any other way except from the Lord. The wife should not separate from her husband. But if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And the husband should not divorce his wife. You could also say here as well that if the husband does divorce his wife, then he should also remain unmarried or else be reconciled to his wife. Verse 12 goes on to say, To the rest I say, I, not the Lord. So he's changing his tune back to making a concession. Hey, here's something that you should consider. That if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with them, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. So here's Paul saying, don't get divorced. If you are married, stay in that relationship. Do everything that you can to make it work. Now remember, the only reason why God allowed divorce to happen was because of the hardness of hearts. This should not be something that we should jump to very quickly. This should be an absolute last resort. And even then, we should look to stay married as, as if, if that's how possible. Remember, marriage is a picture of the love between Christ and the church. Now as we get into talking about the gift of singleness, I want to make sure we understand what I mean by this. We should not look at the gift of singleness of meaning it is for a lifetime. Like, none of you here, whether you think you know or not, know for certain that you will never get married. I've known plenty of people who are like, I'm good with being single, and then all of a sudden that, that special person comes into your life and it transforms everything. And you end up being married. So, the gift of singleness, what I mean, it's, it, it's for however long 
God has for you in being single, you should understand that that period of time is a gift. You have opportunities as a single person that married people no longer have. And he wants you to take it seriously. Singleness, however long, is a gift, whether it's for the next six months or for the rest of your life. And so for the rest of our time today, I want to share three reasons why Paul looks at singleness as a gift. And so we're going to spend the last time here towards the end of the book. So look with me for the first one in verse 26. It says this, I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. Here's the first reason why singleness is a gift. Singleness is a gift because the world is a rough place. Singleness is a gift because the world is a rough place. Again, I would remind us that that Paul is giving his worldly his his wisdom opinion here. This is not a command to stay single. Verse 27 says if you are bound to a wife, don't get out of that. So no ideas husbands, you are married to your wife for a lifetime. That's what God intends. But like it says in verse 28, you don't sin if you get married. But what he does want you to understand that in marriage there is worldly troubles. Paul says, in view of the present distress, think twice about getting married. Now, at this point in his life, Paul wasn't married. And so, because he wasn't married, this opened up so much that he could do with his life because he wasn't tied down to somebody. He could do whatever he wanted. He could be as bold in his faith as he wanted to, and no matter the consequences, nobody else would be directly affected by the suffering that he endured. And may we be reminded that Paul suffered greatly. So keep your finger here and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And what we see here is that Paul suffered greatly. In verse 21, let me start reading in the second half of that verse. But whatever anyone dares to boast of, I am speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman. With far greater labors, far more imprisonments. Here's he's getting to his suffering. With countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. I mean, think of that. Remember Jesus was beaten uh, before he was crucified? 39 lashes. Paul had that happen five times to him for the sake of following after Christ. Verse 25, three times I was beaten with rods. 
Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Now tell me, how much more difficult would this have been for Paul to go through what he went through if he had a family to think about? Because Paul was single, he was able to endure much more because he didn't have to worry about a family. And so he was able to suffer for Christ. He was able to pursue the things of the Lord. It's the reason why we have most of the New Testament is because of Paul enduring what he did for the sake of the kingdom. And to a certain degree, we could argue it would have been irresponsible for him to put himself in danger if he had a family to worry about. When you say, I do to someone, what you do with your life will affect another person from here on out. The consequences that you face because of choices you make no longer just affect you, but they also affect your spouse. I think about what this might mean for me. There may come a day, and I think it's reasonable for us to consider, where I may preach on a certain topic and be thrown in prison for it. And i got to be honest, first of all, by God's grace, I don't ever see myself adjusting the word of God to fit culture. But if it came to the point where my family would be in danger or I would be imprisoned for speaking the gospel as a pastor, I might reconsider being a pastor. As a single person, you don't have to think about these things. You don't have to worry about them. You can pursue Christ despite any troubles that may come to you because you are doing that. Of course, we're all called to see Christ, but there's a different level when you might be killed for it. Now, I also want to understand that these troubles that we face are not just external. When we choose to marry someone, we invite internal troubles. Think of it this way. When you are single, how many sinners are you, do you mainly have to deal with? One. As soon as you marry someone, you have now doubled the amount of sin that you have to deal with. Listen, I, the tension of this message is I don't want to, to make marriage sound awful. I, I am grateful that I have a wife that not one time in our marriage did I think, man, I think I want a divorce. Or I could really, I really desire to be single now and being married to her. It's been a delightful 20 years. We celebrated 20 years this year. And I can tell you that every year has been wonderful. Have there been moments of roughness? Yes, but only moments. But listen, I know that that's not the norm. I know there are people in here who look back at year one or two or three or whatever it may be and think, man, we almost didn't make it. And that, that's, the, that's the normal way that marriages go. When you choose to say, I do to someone, you are inviting the sins of that person into your life, and that becomes a real challenge that you should consider. 
One thing I've heard from singles before, and, and I remember feeling this in college, is that they, the reason why they want to get married is because they feel so alone and they feel so worthless because no one wants to be married to them. Can I just say that one reason why people get divorced is because they feel so alone and feel so worthless based on the way their spouse has treated them? Here's why I say that. The danger that we have is idolizing marriage. Troubles will come when you say I do to one another. And in those seasons, we're going to be, we might be tempted to long for singleness, but this is why, while you're single, enjoy it. Use it for the glory of God. Marriage will not fulfill your every want and desire. Those who are single, please listen to me. You have everything you need in Christ. Your identity is not found in marriage. You cannot look to marriage to find value and worth. It can only be found in Christ and in what he has done for you on the cross. And I'll say this, broken marriages can be some of the loneliest places you could ever imagine. Don't look to find something in mankind that you can only find in Christ. Marriage is a gift, but it's hard work, and it takes a lot of marriage. Marriage is one thing, but, but also taking in mind what happens when you bring children into the world. Not only do you have two sinners, but that first child, you have a third sinner. And sometimes God doubles it up and gives you two sinners at one time. So for our household, we have seven sinners that live in there. And I can say this with absolute fact, most of the time, somebody's off. And listen, often when somebody's off, somebody else is about to be off following that because of the person who's off. And this is what happens in families. You, you are inviting more sin, which is a beautiful thing, right? I, I don't want to minimize that, but, but I don't want you to also, like, view, view marriages and they lived happily ever after. It's hard work. It's tough. It's a struggle. Marriage is hard. Parenting is hard. And when you put them together, it becomes extremely challenging. I don't say these things to discourage you from getting married and having kids, but I do want you to know, as Paul does as well, which he stated in 1 Corinthians 7, that it's not you get married and life gets easier. I love being married. I love having children, but I used to have hair. <laughs> it's mainly from the kids. No offense, Isaac. Mainly from the other four that aren't here. As Paul said, if you want to get married, do it. But understand, it's very challenging. Every husband in the room, every husband in the world has failed to lead and love their wife. Every wife in the room, every wife in the world has failed to respect and submit to her husband. Every child who has ever lived has failed to obey their parents. We need to think soberly about marriage. Singleness is a gift, 
because the world is a rough place. Look at verse 29. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. And those who mourn as though they were not mourning. And those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. And those who buy as though they had no goods. And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. Here's the next reason why singleness is a gift. It's because marriage is only temporary. Singleness is a gift because marriage is only temporary. This is what, this is what Paul is saying here. Is your marriage with your spouse will not last beyond this lifetime. Therefore, we must come to understand that marriage is not ultimate. It's a picture of the love between Christ and the church. It's a glimpse of what perfect union will look like when Jesus returns for his bride. And when he returns, marriage between us will be no more. Listen, if you're married, this, this, this has to have some kind of sting to it. Like, there's a certain sadness that comes to my heart when I, my, Nikki's my best friend. I love being married to her. I, I love being around her. I love holding her hand and, and going on a nice walk on the beach or in the woods. Or I, I love doing life with her. And the thought of, like, wait a minute, does that mean she's not going to be in my mansion in heaven with me? Like, I want to do life with her when we die in heaven. And what, what the reality is, that we got to come to understand, and, and here's the hope, that there are no more sorrows in heaven. So even though we have sorrows thinking about it now, there are no sorrows in heaven. But we must understand, it's not ultimate. Marriage is temporary. And we have to be careful to make sure that we do not idolize marriage. I started dating a girl in high school, and we... I don't know, it was, we dated for a few years, and it went into a little bit of the first year of college, but eventually she called it off, and I was absolutely devastated. And for two years, I was absolutely worthless. What I mean by that is I, I didn't consider myself worthless, but I was worthless in the fact that I was just sitting around moping, laying around, depressed, sad, not using my singleness for the glory of God. I mean, I, didn't, I, I am not living out the principles that I'm sharing this morning. I wasted my life, and it was all because I looked at marriage as ultimate, marriage as having arrived. And so really, I think the main thing we need to understand here is be careful of making marriage an idol. It is not the pinnacle of human existence. Let, let me define what an idol is for you. An idol is anything that consumes your thoughts, your time, and or your resources more than God. I'll say that again. An idol is anything that consumes your thoughts, your time, and or resources more than God. Really, to break it down, a real simple way of saying it, it's whatever you might put in place of God. This could be anything. It can be good things or bad things. We can make church attendance an idol. We can make Bible reading an idol, and certainly we can make marriage an idol. Is marriage a good thing? Absolutely. It is a great thing. It's a good gift, but it's not God. 
Our spouses make terrible gods. We do. And part of the reason why so many marriages struggle is because someone in the marriage or both have made marriage an idol. Marriage is not meant to make you happy as much as it is to make you holy. And listen, brothers and sisters, holiness can be achieved without being married. This is not something that you need in order to grow in holiness. Beware of making marriage more than what it is. To those who are married, I want to talk with you for a minute. Because I think more often than not, we can make marriage seem ultimate when we're having conversations with singles. And there are times when I cringe at what people say and ask singles. So I want to give you some practical things to avoid sounding and being foolish. First of all, please don't ask a single person when they are going to get married. In asking the question, you are communicating that somehow they haven't arrived yet. And there are different ways this is communicated. Saying things like this, I can't believe you're not married yet. I thought for sure you'd be married by this time. Now listen, that, I, I, I'm sure you mean to communicate like, you're such an awesome person. Why aren't you married yet? You know how that can be interpreted? Yeah, yeah but why am I not married yet? I thought I had something to offer too, but apparently not. Thanks for reminding me. Or here's another thing that people say. You'll find someone someday. It's not helpful. (laughs) What if singleness is for their lifetime? And you've just given some man-centered hope that is no hope at all. What we are saying in those instances, we're we're not encouraging. Rather, we're saying that they lack something. Perhaps they are even in prayer over the situation. They've actually maybe even come to peace with the fact that, okay, they're single for right now. And then you have come and just destroyed everything by asking these questions. Now listen, there's a difference between one-on-one fellowshipping and you're looking to care for a person and you are aware of maybe like struggles that that singles may have and not being married and you're you're asking questions just to kind of understand where they stand. That's way different than just coming in and saying, why aren't you married yet? So care for one another, but don't treat marriage as having arrived. Are we complete in Christ or not? To the singles, I would remind you, you are complete in Christ. You are no less of a person because you aren't married. Marriage is not the end-all, be-all. And I would ask you, forgive us when we say or ask foolish things. We all need to respond in humility in these things. This is why, young person, if you are in high school or or lower, don't be so quick to get in a relationship. You are going to set your heart up for greater disaster than you could ever imagine. I wish that I never would have dated until I was at a place where I was ready to marry. Because your heart gets sucked into people that you don't want to be married to. I could name person after person who married too young and then they end up getting divorced. Because they married someone who they had no business marrying. I would, just, I would just serve that as a warning to guard your heart with all vigilance, for out of it flow the springs of life. I was not at a place when I started dating to have the maturity to date. Otherwise, I would not have been depressed for two years. 
find your identity in Christ alone. Marriage is only temporary. Our last point is in verse 32. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things and how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraints upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Singleness is a gift because marriage is a distraction. Singleness is a gift because marriage is a distraction. Be aware, singles, marriage distracts you from being fully focused on God alone. Husbands, your wives are a distraction. Wives, your husbands are a distraction from Christ. But listen, Paul isn't condemning this reality. He already said it's not a sin to get married. So if it's not a sin to get married, it's not a sin to be distracted. Because rightfully so, when you commit your life to somebody, you can't just sit around and read your Bible all the time. You have to attend to your wife. Sorry, honey, can't date you. I got I to gotta read the Bible. I got to serve the Lord. I got to do this. No, I, even if I'm a pastor and even though I'm called to, to serve the body of Christ, she's my number one priority. Rightfully so. This is the way it should be, but we need to understand that you, when you are single, you have no relational distractions. I can't give God my full attention, nor should I. Now, that may sound heretical, but this is what it says here. We are going to be distracted from devoting everything that we are to God because of marrying someone. I just want you to consider for a moment two men in the Bible who were single and consider all the things that they did through their singleness. We've already talked about Paul and all that he was able to accomplish because he didn't have the distraction of a family and all the things that he endured, all the scriptures that he read, this, this exploding of the gospel in the East because of Paul's work. And he was undistracted by it because he wasn't married. I also want you to consider our Savior, who while he walked this earth, did not marry. I mean, imagine what that would have been like for Christ to be hanging on a cross if he was looking down at his wife. He was able to devote everything to his Father. If, if marriage was ultimate, then we should be condemning Paul, and we should be condemning our Savior. But the reality is, marriage is not ultimate, and marriage is a distraction. Ask yourself, when you think about all that Paul did, could a loving husband and father still be loving if he traveled and did all that Paul did? Perhaps. But I think it would be incredibly Hard and come at a great cost. I know many people who have done many great things for the Lord whose marriages fell apart. I'm not sure I want that on my resume. When you are married and have a family, 
you also have to do what you need to do to provide for your family. That's a distraction. And providing for your family has to be a priority for the husband. Just consider what 1 Timothy 5.8 says. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Being married is a distraction. Husbands, you have to provide for your wife and your family. I remember 14 years ago, I, I ended up quitting my job, and we moved to Illinois so that I could pursue the possibility of joining this pastor's college that was associated with this family of churches. And so the closest one is in Illinois, and so we moved there. But I did not anticipate the suffering that would come in light of that. So we moved there, and within months, we saw our saving just completely drain to almost nothing life was hard and I ended up having to get having to work two jobs so I'd get up at 3 a.m. in the morning and I'd go load trucks at UPS to make sure uh, our family was provided for and then as soon as that got off around 8 a.m. I would I would join up with a water restoration company and work however long it needed I mean one thing you got to know about water restoration company is if it rains it pours and if it pours, houses flood. And if houses flood, guess what? You got to work. It's not an eight to five job. There were times where I would literally work three in the morning until midnight and then have to get up at three in the morning again to go do that. And guess what happened in that season of life when I was consumed by having to work to provide for my family? Guess who I wasn't serving? Wasn't able to give the Lord everything. Wasn't able to give the church much. Why? Because I was distracted. Rightfully so. I was doing what God had called me to do, provide for my family. But listen, singles, marriage distracts you from being fully devoted to the Lord. When, there, when you are single, there's no distractions to keep you from giving God everything you have. This, of course, doesn't mean that singles should be doing all the work. Uh, it grieves me, especially when retired people say, I've done all that I need to do. It's time for somebody else to do it. Come on. We don't ever retire from the things of God. When it, whatever season you are in, there are certain giftedness uh, for the world to have. Even married and having children, it's a gift that you can give to the world to show what a loving family looks like. I just had a conversation with a, another pastor in a different church who had adopted kids. And he was five years old, I think, when, when, he, when, he was, when he was adopted. And he remember having a meal, the first meal they had together. And like, oh my goodness, is this what a family does? Like, you mean we get to have meals together? Like, I could, I could grieve. That's a, that's a gift that we give to the world to show, listen, you can have a family and you don't have to hate each other. Singleness is a gift that you can serve in ways that married people cannot serve. If you are retired and kids are out of the house, there's a way that you can serve younger families that, that you can't when you're in the midst of it. Brothers and sisters, wherever you're at, whatever season you're at, there's a giftedness that you can serve in different ways. And as a single, you have the greatest opportunity to make the greatest impact for the kingdom of God. So let me ask you, single person, are you using your singleness for the glory of God? Are you using the lack of distraction to advance the kingdom of God. Listen, I say all this with a heaviness of the fact that I wasted my single years. And if I could have a conversation with you, I would implore you, get involved. Often I see people 
hold off on becoming members of a church because they're single. Well, I'm waiting to become married, and then I'll join the church. You have more opportunity to serve the church now than you will when you're married. This is not to say, like, I'm not saying that you're not busy. So married couples, be, be careful how you communicate that to singles of saying, well, you have all the time in the world. That's not necessary. There, there is busyness that happens. But still, you are free. You are free to be undistracted by earthly relationships to serve God. Are you doing that to the fullest? Are you getting involved in the church? Are you looking to advance the kingdom of God? Or are you wasting the years away in sorrow and pity? Brothers and sisters, as I said earlier, be, be mindful that marriage is a terrible idol. And it will keep you from using your single years now for the glory of God. Each of us is given one life to live. Only what is done for Christ will last. When the hay and stubble are burned away, what treasures will there be behind for you to give your Savior? So as we close things this morning, let me, let me conclude by addressing both singles and married couples. To the singles, let me just remind you, you have everything you need in Christ. You are complete. You lack nothing. God has given you this unique season, however long, for you to devote extra time to Christ. Maximize it for his glory. Pursue him in his word. Serve the church. Serve those around you. Let your light shine bright. And don't let others look down on your singleness. This is what I, what, this is what I experienced as a single. I, I look down on the, on the fact that I'm a single. I got nothing to offer. Brothers and sisters, if you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, you have everything to offer. Don't let that intimidate them. Don't let that keep you from pursuing relationship with married couples. Look, and if they act weird to you, that's their problem, not yours. They need to grow up. You have incredible gifts to offer the body. Don't let the silly things that married people say to you to keep you from pursuing others. Don't idolize marriage. Christ is ultimate. End of story. To the married couples, beware of communicating as if you think marriage is ultimate. It is great and important that you lean into singles and build a relationship. Often we have them gathered over here. Come build a relationship with them. I'm, I'm so encouraged by the singles of our church because I see them interacting with other married couples. Like this is the body of Christ. And it's not us and them, it's we. The body of Christ is unique. We come together because of what Christ has done for us. There should be no dividing factor. We shouldn't value marriage over singleness. We should value Christ over all. Build relationships. Invite them into your lives. Ask them how you can pray for them. And tell them how they can pray for you. Here's another thing that I've found offensive to the single, those who are single. Sometimes the married couple say, well, you wouldn't understand you're not married. Stop that. So let them know. Let them explain what's going on so they do understand. And listen, they know far more than you think. And perhaps they're looking at your marriage, and that's the reason why they're staying single. 
Pursue relationships. We are one in Christ. This is why, this is why, let me guard my words here. I strongly despise only looking to do community with like-minded or like people who are in the same sphere of life. I'm not saying it's not important. It's, it's great to build a relationship if you're newly married with newly married, singles with singles, uh, married with kid, kids, like older. But like we, we got to stop and make sure that we're not prioritizing those relationships over communicating and bonding with the body of Christ. Listen, the reality for me is I, I learn just as much from singles as I do from married, older, retired kids out of the house. I love the interaction of all people. I have been served by every age possible. And that is the best way to do life because, listen, you get stuck in one rut and you just surround yourself with like-minded people who are the same in every area of life, you're going to stagnate in your growth. You're going to say stupid things like, why aren't you married yet? Because when you interact and have relationships, you get to understand where a person is coming from and you're more sympathetic in understanding where a person is at in their life. When you're single and you see the stress of a married person and dealing with children and, and overwhelmed and you might be able to step in and help serve the children, like that's a way that you can do it now that you won't be able to when you have your own kids. Don't let singleness keep you from serving and advancing the kingdom of God. Don't let your ignorance as a married person keep you from building relationship with singles. It is a beautiful thing when we come together and do life together, we all have something to offer one another in Christ. So this morning as we close then, I want to invite uh, Peter to come up and join us. Peter Vukovic is a, a single in our church, and one thing I've just appreciated about him is I never looked at him as single or married. I never labeled him like that, and he never let his, he hasn't let his singleness be something that distracts him from just pursuing Christ, and he's challenged me, and I've been deeply encouraged by him. In fact, this week I reached out to him and said, dude, I don't know what I'm doing here. I feel very unqualified to preach on singleness, but I do remember how I screwed it up. And Lord, help, help, me, to, help me to understand, you know, what singles are going through. And so he reached out to a couple people. We met for a couple hours and just grateful for our friendship and relationship. And I know you don't have it all together, uh, but I just invited him to come and just pray over us uh, as married couples and as singles and really ultimately as the body of Christ. And so uh, would you mind just praying for us here? To... Yeah, let's bow our heads. Almighty God, you are so good. You are so good. Yeah. And you are so, so worthy of our praise. Amen. And God, I just want to pray for all the singles. Um, at whatever stage of life they're in, that they would just find their contentment in you yeah. and in you alone. Yes, Lord. Lord, that they wouldn't find their contentment in any, any idol, whether it be marriage or anything, God, but only, only in you. And I pray for just the unity of our church, that everyone in every stage of life, God, that we could fully and only be unified under Christ that we wouldn't allow the differences in our life to divide us, but that we can come under Christ and what he's done for us. Yes. Lord, we just love you so much, and we just want to serve you and honor you and have all of us to seek your kingdom first in everything that we do. Amen. Amen. Thank you.
if you have questions on singleness, uh, Peter said he has all the answers. Is that, is that what you're telling me? <laughs> no, great dude, though. Great. Uh, I encourage you to get to know him. He's been a, a, a good challenge and an encouragement to me. Uh, let me leave you with a few action steps that you can put into place this week. Uh, first of all, I encourage you to memorize 1 Corinthians 7, 28 and, 27 and 28. It says this. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I, will, I would spare you that. I think this is vital whether you're single or married. Uh, you never know when you're going to encounter somebody who needs to hear this word. Like, hey, look, at, look, look, it's not all bad. If you're single, it's not all bad. There's lots of things to be grateful for. And so let's put that to memory. Uh, read 1 Corinthians 7. I just continue. This is a great chapter of just speaking a lot about marriage and singleness. And so uh, perhaps it would serve you to just kind of go more in depth and looking and praying through this text. Number three up there, don't waste your singleness. If you are single, use it to the glory of God. Are you advancing the gospel with the time that you have in a way that's unique to every other season of life? Don't waste your singleness. And then lastly, reach out to someone different than you. Reach out to someone different than you. Don't just surround yourself with people who look just like you, who are in the same life sphere as you. Surround yourself with people who are in different places. You're just going to learn so much. and It will keep you a much more rounded person in order to care for one another. With that, let me invite you to stand, and I'm going I'm to pray us out here this morning. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the challenge of your word, Lord. And I, I pray that I was faithful, Lord. Marriage is a wonderful gift. Having children is wonderful, Lord. But God, remind us that singleness is a gift as well. It's just a unique season, Lord. And our identity is not found in our marriage. Our identity is found in Christ alone. And so, Lord, would you be with the singles in this room? I, I'm thankful, Lord. I've seen so many already join the church God, I pray that they would feel uh, alivened in Christ to pursue your glory. Lord, that they can come alongside us. They, we are together in this, Lord. They can, they can, oh, Lord, just give them value because they are in Christ. Lord, that they would not waste their single years, but they would use it to advance the gospel. And, Lord, for the married couples, Lord, would you allow us to come alongside to encourage, to cheer on, Lord, to do life together and realize, Lord, there, there is so much encouragement we can give them to keep pressing forward with whatever time they have in this season of their life. God, that we be doing life together. This is not about us and them. This is us together, Lord. We, we are together in this. We are one in Christ, united in Christ. So keep us from allowing anything like that to divide us. God, remind us that we are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. So let your light shine so that others may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Take this word and do what only you can do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.